Good morning. This is Tom Clark with the Father's Heart Media and Papa Tom, and we have a special podcast today with a dear friend, Jason Peake, so I'll be introducing to you in a moment. But we want to remind our audience that uh, Father's Heart Media is all about connection, and we have something specific to talk about today about how fathers can connect to their children and um, through reading books to them. And it was something that I never would have expected to bring out, but I think it's an important truth and a value. So in addition to our um, commitment to our audience to bring connection, we specifically would like to bring connection uh, between fathers and their children today. Uh, With that in mind, I'd like to introduce to you, uh, before I even introduce Jason Peaks, I want to mention that our second book is out, uh, Luke the Light Bearer Defeats the Spirit of Confusion. We want to thank our audience that we're in 180 countries and 162,000 downloads uh, in uh, 2021. And uh, actually the biggest uh, month ever was December. And the largest podcast that was downloaded was The Spirit of Confusion. Interesting enough. So uh, with by that way of introduction, let me, introduction, let me introduce you to Jason Peaks. Jason, tell the audience who you are. Hi, my name is Jason Peaks. Associate pastor at a local church not far from where Tom lives. Um, I'm also a father of four um, from ages seven down to nine months. Uh, it's been quite a journey having all those kids in such a small amount of time. Uh, I've also worked in the university context as well as a number of churches and nonprofit spaces. Um, love school, love reading, love being nerdy. Um, in fact, you know, did three earned degrees already in my life and probably will continue on uh, because I really do believe, you know, that learning is, is imperative. Um, and so hopefully today we can talk a little bit about how we as fathers can um, be the learners um, and demonstrate and model the learning to our mm-hmm. kids uh, and how that looks a lot like the father. Yeah, the uh, you know you have to learn to something to take in so that you can teach and you can impart. And then the father's heart. Me, we talk about the the uh, the father's heart of God is for uh, to put his heart into men that they may be fatherly. And in being fatherly, they want to protect, they want to provide, and they want to mentor or teach. So in order to mentor or teach, you got to know something. And so as, right. as we live a life of continuously taking things in, it's not just for us taking it into ourselves, it's taking in so that we may turn around and uh, impart it out. So, uh, yeah, I love that. Go ahead, go ahead, Jason. No, I love that. I think that's great. So um, Jason and I had breakfast last week, and uh, we, got, uh, we had a lot of catching up to do. And then uh, we uncovered... Um, uh, unpacked, maybe I should say, or un- uncovered is probably a better word, um, something that we think the audience would be very interested in. And it started with, uh, in our breakfast conversation, about uh, Jason asking me how I was doing and and uh, catching up with different things. And I was mentioning to him um, about uh, the Father's Heart and Media and all the content we put in there, as I, as I just described earlier on this podcast, as well as uh, the children's books. And um, how the children books were doing and so forth, Papa Tom's Tales. And then I mentioned to him something very interesting, and it took a turn. By the way, before I even go further, I think it's important that we pray 
And we ask Holy Spirit to be part of this podcast and that uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you to bring out truths to our audience that will uh, allow our audience to connect uh, not only to you and to God the Father, but also to one another and particularly parents to their children and particularly fathers to their children. So with that in mind, I was describing in this conversation with Jason how my audience or my the buyers of the children's books were grandmothers and mothers. And he responds and says to me, well, not in my house. I said, really? I said, yeah. He says, I buy all my children's books. In fact, I buy all the books that come into my home and I make it a point to read every book that comes to my home and certainly every book that I read before my children read it. And on top of that, I actually love reading books to my children. And I happened, my kids actually enjoyed reading your first book, uh, The Boy Who Found His Name, and I'm looking for the sec forward to reading the second one. And then he went further to say that he doesn't like digital books, not for children anyway. I mean, digital, digital books have their place. But if you want to have the personal experience, you want to have that high touch. Alvin Toffler once wrote a book 30 years, 40 years ago called Future Shock. And in Future Shock, he wrote the book High Tech and High Touch, that we get so much of the high tech and digital thing that we lose the high touch aspect of life. And that is something that we need to regain is that high touch aspect of life, which you can only do face to face. And it's critically important, essentially important for a father to do that to a child. And I was marveling at uh, Jason's response about how he is the purchaser and reviewer of all books going into uh, his household. So, Jason, why don't you describe to our audience how you responded to that uh, discussion? Yeah, you know, I think uh, I just found myself surprised that more fathers weren't interested in, you know, reading books to their children and, or reading the books that, are, that their children will read. Uh, because so much of what we read becomes part of our entire existence. Um, it's amazing that when you talk to children, the things that they hear, the things that they understand, you know, at a very early age is something that they retain for the rest of their lives. So uh, why wouldn't a dad be sure. interested in reading to their kids, you know, every night before bed, potentially, uh, as an opportunity to put in the information into their children that they desire to see established um you know and and i think that there's there's really something to be said about what happens when dad reads books to kids um and you know for me i think the journey was that um i didn't i didn't see my dad necessarily read a ton to me as a kid but i was a huge reader from a very very early age and um and i wish that there was that connection i think with dad uh, it was much easier for me to connect with mom um, because she was a reader too you know as so many kids have experienced and so i think in terms of looking for connection what well, we forget that when you read a book to a kid uh, you're not just reading information but you're actually creating memories and I think this is a really important thing uh, to think about because uh, we know in the scriptures that the way the Hebrew people were to live was based deeply on memories. Um, Deuteronomy, you know, specifically telling them, remember, you know, the, the law of the Lord, remember all the things that came out of his mouth. Right. And so in the same way, we can pattern ourselves to become uh, better fathers 
by creating memories for our children to mm -hmm. lean back on in moments of questioning and moments of insecurity and moments of pain or difficulty that us reading aloud to them actually is creating memories of them where dad is unpacking things, mm -hmm. um, whether it's through the book or whether it's through their questions. Because um, I think that's another huge part of reading to children is you create an openness to hear what they're picking up from the story and not just what you're reading. Right. You know, the scripture is very clear on the power of the tongue. And when you read to, to somebody, uh, you're speaking. You're using your tongue to read out loud. And when you use your tongue to read out loud, you're actually creating energy. Energy is coming literally out of your mouth. And it's changing the atmosphere. It's also changing the hearts and the minds of your children. Because part of that memory is they remember what daddy said. They remember their questions. They remember their answers. And it's multidimensional. That's one of the reasons why I really do like the physical book. Because the physical book is very well illustrated, as you know. Uh, so you, they get pictures. There's visual. And they have words. And then they have the father speaking. So now you have sound. Sound. Uh, so the sound's going through the ear, then you have uh, the visual look through the eyes, and the speaking literally is a release of energy into the atmosphere that's changing the hearts and the minds of the children. You've got to be reading a good book, by the way, <laughs> a substantive book, but nonetheless, the process is something that sadly doesn't seem to show up on many fathers' radar screens. And they're not even aware that they could be doing this or should be doing this. I don't like to use the word should, but they, by, uh, by doing this, they actually have a, a definitely a win-win-win situation all the way around. It's a winning situation for the father, a winning situation for the children, the whole household, the mother, the whole family changes and vibrates with the energy that comes out of the mouth of a father. Yeah, you know, so... One of the things that I had kind of thought very early on, you know, with my kids, so, you know, I really want to read to them. I want to read certain things to them that I think will really help their hearts come alive. And, you know, I want them to be inundated with story because we know that, you know, stories are really the language of Jesus. Like, you know, it's so beautiful to give your kids those stories. And so, you know, I had picked up. Uh, C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, we're going to read through these. Like, this is going to be great nighttime reading. And, you know, it's such a beautiful, epic story, so allegorical to, you know, seeing Christ in the story and, and everything. And, you know, we read, uh, we read a little bit. And I couldn't tell if they were interested or they were disinterested. And I was like, are we just doing this every night? Because, you know, I'm a dad and I'm getting kicks out of reading to my kids these epic stories. But it was really amazing because uh, I recall there was, you know, some things that came up. I think we had some visitors in town or, or whatever. And we went a couple days without it. Um, and as soon as, you know, those visitors left or, or whatnot, my kids like, Dad, can we please read Chronicles of Narnia again? Mm -hmm. and, and you just realize that, like, through reading, you know, these books about these fantastic creatures and, and stories that, you know, they, they really develop a hunger to build time and relationship with you. Like they want that time with dad. Like they want that connection with dad. Sure. And I think it's beautiful because in that place of connection with dad, 
one of the things that's been most interesting for me, you know, is hearing that they pick up on language as they're reading this book with you. So they're like, Hey, I don't, dad, what does that mean? Hey dad, what does that look like? What, what, and I, and I think that in a lot of ways, like we as fathers, um, haven't necessarily created a lot of opportunities for our children to ask us questions. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, they're really good at hearing mom and, you know, dad in some ways like direct them in their lives, what to do, what not to do. But reading books aloud allows the children to ask way more questions than in most other spaces that we would, you know, have in, on an everyday ordinary space in life. And I found it really amazing to see them ask a lot of questions and really be able to pick up some new words um, from it. That maybe aren't words that I would use as a dad, yes. but I'm expanding their vocabulary. So not only can they hear and ask questions, but they start creating language of their own right. um, that's bigger than me, you know, and beyond me. I have not uh, refrained from using some large words in the children's books. Sometimes I explain them, oftentimes I explain them, but uh, the words, but I, um, I've held back or, or um, I've not held back, I should say, in using big words because I want to expand the child's vocabulary. Um, one of the things that I told my illustrator, Jerry Mossimak, who's a fantastic illustrator, was I want it to expand their imagination. Use, use the illustrations to expand their imagination. And yeah. let's use the words to also, it may be above their head instantaneously or at the moment, but it's a learning t- it's a, it's a learning opportunity for the parent to explain what that word actually means. Um, I'll give you one example. In one of the books, there was a thing called abracadabra, which is a, a word that most people don't realize is a Hebrew word. And it means I create as I speak. And uh, people think it's a new age thing, or actually several hundred years ago, it was, it was co-opted by black magic people trying to get power out of using the word abracadabra as a magical thing. But it literally is a word. Anyway, that's just an example. Um, and the point is, it's, it's an opportunity to talk to a child about magic or how it's not real. That's and the aspect of that. Or abracadabra is something God did when he said, let there be light. He was actually creating light with his with the words that he was speaking. So these these are things that are actually expanding a child's thought process and their minds. And the size of the word is not daunting to a child. That they really have they're like clay that could just be formed. And uh, a parent, like you said, uh, you're very much nerdy, Jason, and you're very much into academics. Well, academics yeah. are um, replete with words. And, and what are the meanings of the words? Uh, the scripture, I, I can't uh, appreciate more my under, greater understanding of the scripture as I'm older in life when I began to understand what the actual Hebrew words were, yeah. as opposed to just the translations in English. And yeah. the unpacking of a Hebrew word gave me a whole new level of meaning what the scripture was saying. And it's yeah. the same thing with any word you would use. What does it really mean? And the opportunity yeah. to communicate that to child is a is a priceless thing that they'll always remember, and they will get smarter, if you will, or deeper, uh, yeah. and and their imaginations will expand, and as as opposed to um, the other kinds of teaching processes that seem to limit their imagination or to hold them down from growing and developing the way God had originally intended them to grow and develop. 
Yeah, I mean, going to that point, you know, I, I recall we, we had a conversation a little while ago um, about the, the word genuine. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking about the word genuine and I had shared about how, um, you know, the word genuine, um, which is, you know, a word that I think we want every father to have. We don't right. want to be fake dads. We don't right. want to be fake fathers. You know, we want to be genuine, you know, fathers. Uh, but that, you know, the idea of genuine really comes from the idea of the word me. And, and so to be a genuine father is to have, you know, uh, the picture is a, a father has a child on his knee. Yeah. Um, and by having the child on his knee, he's imparting and revealing and demonstrating something that the child is now accepting what the father is and is imparting. And I mean, if you think about it, what's a better way to be a genuine father than to have your child on your knee reading to them? Right. Um, what will happen in that, you know, what, what opens up for them is that, you know, they, they realize they're not just getting something naturally. Um, they're actually getting something beautiful that, you know, that is this adopted experience, this adopted reality. Uh, and really it becomes an emotional connection place. You know, when you um, use, when you use that word, when you use that word knee, K N E E for our audience, the knee, the physical yeah. knee, you also described uh, at that time, if my memory serves me correctly, that um, in the Hebrew experience, if you were not on the father's knee, you were not part of the family. And there was a huge difference whether you got on that knee or not. And in all of our books, uh, I always have the children end up going to heaven and sitting on God the father's knee. I did this yeah. like sort of I didn't say naturally. I, what I did it for is because all the books that God gave me to write had to do with uh, pictures, had to do with like dreams I had, I should say, dreams. Yeah. And that usually happened on a Friday night, on Saturday, I would backfill the conversation. But yeah. in the dreams, I saw the kids on God the Father's knees, up in heaven. That's how he taught them. He taught them on his knee. And that, yeah. that relationship of what you physically feel like viscerally when you're on yeah. the Father's knee. It's a physical experience because we're body, soul, and spirit. So we physically, viscerally feel the love of God the Father mentoring and teaching us on yeah. his knee. And that Hebrew language is very, very uh, experiential and graphic. It's not the just theoretical. Yeah. So I appreciate you unpacking that word genuine. Yeah, because, you know, it was, it was the sign that that was the father uh, of the child. Um, you know, you could reject a child by not placing the child on your knee. Mm -hmm. And so, I, you know, I hope that we as men can acknowledge that, you know, we have to accept the paternity of our children, mm -hmm. um, you know, and thankfully we have an incredible father in heaven who does accept the paternity of, of us. Mm -hmm. um, but what would happen is, you know, we find these means and these ways right. where we can affirm our paternity, mm -hmm. you know, in these children's lives, like by reading. Yeah. You know, I, I love to think about how in that moment, you know, sitting and it's funny, you talk to so many people and they can remember stories of sitting on dad's knee, sitting on grandpa's knee, sitting on someone's knee and in that in their life. And it, it becomes this place of, of connection, but it really it's this emotional connection as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think I was telling you, Tom, that uh, there's this incredible story um, I read this book called The Enchanted Hour um, by Megan Cox Gurdon. 
and uh, she she wrote this book, and it's basically on the miraculous power of reading aloud yes. in an age of distraction. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was in the book was that they have now found that having mothers and fathers read to their children when they uh, are on deployment um, maintains their emotional bond with their dads you know, with their moms. And so that when the parents come back, they, they have not lost any time. Mm-hmm. Uh, where before they were finding that kids were having a hard time connecting, staying connected with, you know, whoever was employed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I think there's something to be said that, you know, for us as men, sometimes we eschew, you know, that emotional space in our hearts and mm-hmm. our minds. Uh, but the simple act of reading informs and empowers an emotionally healthy connection with our children. You know, you just gave me two stories that <laughs> came up as you were talking. One, very quickly, was about my wife and I uh, belong to Sanctity of Life, and we contribute to the pro-life movement, and they have guest speakers every year at big fundraisers. And one of the things that they brought out in uh, the fundraising with the motivational speakers was the biggest issue for a woman not to have a child is that the father, the man who sired the child doesn't want the child. If the man who sires the child says, I want that child, then that child's going to likely be born. But if the father doesn't want the child, then yeah. the mother has no uh, physical, no, I should say, emotional reason to. Uh, have it. They, 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 there's a there's a lot of resistance, uh, or, or I should say this way: the pro-abortion, pro-choice, pro-abortion movement. When they knock the father out of the picture, uh, they knocking out a really the heart of God, the Father. And if that human being doesn't want the child, the mother is not likely to have it. But to say it the other way, as soon as I want my, that child, it's done. As soon as that father says he wants it, the mother's going to have it. Uh, and that's just in a, whether they're married or not. I mean, most of these people are not married, but the, the point is the birth will occur. Second thing I want to bring up was you mentioned about how powerful it is to read to, to children. And my uh, oldest daughter, Deborah, has gotten really involved with homeschooling. And she was number one in her class in college. She's very bright. She's academic like you are. She's an artist. And she studies and researches everything. And so in homeschooling, she researched the whole thing and found out the best homeschooling curriculum she could find was a curriculum by Charlotte Mason. And Charlotte Mason is a teacher in England in the 1850s, 60s, you know, late 1800s. And her whole premise of how do you teach is first of all, you have to understand that, that you have to teach a child that they're that they're uh, about God. <laughs> he's he's uh, and this is a not necessarily she was a Christian lady, but um, the importance of their value is based upon what God says about them. If they have no value, there's no reason to learn anything. So yeah. you have to establish that. But he said once they establish their value as a person, as a human being, the next thing you can do. The fastest way and the I say fastest is probably not the right term. The best way you can educate is to read to them. And so her whole curriculum, Charlotte Mason curriculum in homeschooling, is reading. It's like 90% of the whole curriculum is taking classics, classical books, the most substantive books 
that man has put together and read it to the children. And sometimes these classics, by the way, you would think are way above the heads of a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 10-year-old, doesn't matter. You read to them. So the teacher, right, is going to be, uh, and the homeschool's often the parent, and I volunteered my services as a, as a visiting professor <laughs> to read to my grandchildren. <laughs> but the, the classic intent is that Charlotte made the whole premise of the, of the whole educational process is you've got to read to them. Yeah, my, my kids attend a school that employs the Charlotte Mason technique, um, you know, and so they, you know, they mandate a minimum of 20 minutes a day of reading mm -hmm. for your child, whether it's them reading it or you reading aloud mm -hmm. uh, in order to actually see the growth and the development of the child. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the things that started me down this track of uh, wanting to read to my children is, is I really have been thinking a lot, you know, part of my academic study has been in the realms of spiritual formation and discipleship. Um, and within that framework, I realized that, you know, we are forming and discipling our children at a very, very early age um, through the things that we're reading. Uh, and if you think about it, um, you know, the things that you read, you know, are the things that are discipling your children. Um, and so if you're allowing for books to be read in your house that engenders certain ideas or certain mindsets, you know, you're allowing your child to be some, you know, somewhat discipled by the things that they're in interacting with. Mm -hmm. But if you as a dad can read those things, you know, I always tell people like if a school asks your children to read a book, you should read it first. You know, yeah, and again, this puts a lot more work on you as a parent, right. you know, but this is the only way to be certain, right. you know, that you can really walk with your children through whatever the assignment is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I think that this is a big, a big failure in the church is that fathers have failed to disciple their children. Um, we expect the church to do it. We expect the school to do it. We expect a lot of other, our, sometimes the wives, right. you know, we expect our, our wives, you know, it's, there's a, a little bit of a nudge for fathers to be, be involved in Sunday school, yeah. you know, I think, um, because you realize that these children need to be discipled by their fathers just as much as anyone else. It's our primary um, responsibility I, I, before God. Right. Right. And, and you're modeling what the father is like when you do that. Right. You know, you, you model that the father wants to create learning environments so that you can grow and develop into the person that he's called you to be, um, you know. And so there, there is this beautiful opportunity, I think, for, you know, for dads, for fathers to, to really think, hey, how can I how can I do this better? How can I do this more? You know, listen, it. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be crazy books. You don't have to be academic like me. I mean, you can just read the Bible to your children. Right. And, and listen, I, I'm not and saying should. that like, and that, you know, and I, and I don't think that a lot of people are doing that, to be really honest with you. You know, I, I don't think I know a ton of dads that are reading the Bible to their kids, but that matters, you know. You know, I've seen in a lot of Christian homes, they'll have these little Bible book stories to kids. Um I think one of the things I didn't like about them is they seem to have watered down the word too much uh, and took away uh, the power of the word and the actual words that, I mean, there's no mistake that God used when he inspired those men to write the Bible. He inspired them by using very specific words. So if you're going, and we even lose something in the translation between Hebrew and, and English. 
Now, if you try to get it down to a child's mindset and a five or six-year-old, you water it down, you start changing the words, you're losing a lot of the power that's in the scripture itself. Your thoughts about that? Well, and, you know, I think there's an opportunity, you know, every, (laughs) you know, I I do think that a modeling for our children, you know, good fathers are good learners, you know, and Jesus is a great learner. Um, And he only does what the father says and he only does what the father does. Right. You know, we know this from the scriptures, but we forget that, you know, our depiction of Jesus growing up is very significant. One little tiny verse in Luke. You know, where it says in Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. Mm -hmm. Well, it's interesting because that idea of growing, you know, in that in that story is an indication that Jesus is literally learning how to be the best human in in the you know history of the universe from learning, you know, learning from not only the Heavenly Father, he's learning from Joseph. You know, and I think that we, we've missed out a lot of times. We, we kind of make Jesus so spiritual that we forget that he did still learn. He still did grow. Sure. He still sat on dad's knee. He still, you know, went to synagogue and, you know, heard the word of the Lord being read. You know, the Hebrew culture is primarily oral. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forget that. Right. We, we negate that. We also think of him as being God so much so that we negate in the sense son of man and that he always referred to himself as the son of man as a son of man that was his humanness and that when he described the things that he wanted us to do he wasn't giving us things that only god could do because that wouldn't really make sense he's got he talked about healing and miracles and walking on water whatever whatever it was that he did he did it so that we also could walk in his footsteps as human beings so he really laid aside, as said scripture does tell us, he laid aside his Godhead and took That's on right. a human body that he might That's do it. what he did as a human being so that we That's could do it, it too. Because we're not God. We, 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 we don't participate in the Godhead like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We participate as mankind and uh, as, as human. And as our mankind is human, we can yeah. express God in yep. the same ways as he expressed it. And he even made a reference to the fact that even more so than he expressed it. Uh, you'll even do greater things than these. But it was yeah. still as a human being. And we need to learn yeah. in order to be able to do that. Well, and, and you know what? Maybe, maybe some of this uh, learning and reading to our kids really needs to start with us as you know men and, you know, and fathers learning to just be good readers in general. Um, to be able to show our children that humility. Um, you know, what I always tell people, when you read a book, you're sitting, uh, you're sitting down with somebody who spent hundreds of hours on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that kind of humility is so beautifully modeled to our children. You know, I remember uh, viscerally as a child, my dad reading the scriptures every morning at the breakfast table. And I remember him reading, you know, I don't remember him necessarily reading aloud, but I remember him reading. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that demonstration to our kids goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe, you know, that's part of, you know, part of this journey for us. Maybe you're, you know, fearful of, you know, reading to your kids or I don't know where to start, you know, but I'm like, maybe just start reading yourself, yeah. you know, uh, and see what happens. 
You know, uh, there's a book written by Dr. Caroline Leaf uh, called Switch on Your Brain. Yeah. And she uh, writes about, she's a neuro uh, neuroscientist, yeah. uh, a neurophysician. She understands the brain intimately. Uh, and also, she's also a believer. Uh, and she talks about there are, there are seven parts of the brain and that each person in the world learns differently, some different combination of things of how we process stuff. So yeah. um, it's, I've learned from that, that not to, yeah. to, to be careful and say, this just because I learned something a certain way doesn't mean my kids have to learn it that way or my grandchildren have to learn it that way. I actually have to be willing to discover how is it that you're going to learn it, that I'm going to learn it. I'll give you an example of my own personal life. I never really liked reading the Bible as a exercise or, you know, read, read through the Bible. And it's like, you know, uh, read a chapter a day or something like that. Uh, read through the Bible in a year. I, I, that never attracted me. Um, even to this day, what I really like and how God teaches me is uh, spending time with him in the morning listening to what he's saying more from a rhema perspective. And then all of a sudden there'd be like a trigger word and there'd be some thought or concept. And based upon that trigger word, then I move into the logos. And I say, what does the Bible actually say about this particular word? And so I learn it from rhema to logos, not logos to rhema. Does that make sense? Sure. And, and that's just a process which... You know, uh, I, I guess there's some people out in the audience will will do it that way, and some people do it other ways. It's there's no um, right or wrong way to to process this. Um, uh, it's just that the important thing is we would like it to show up on, on men's radar screens. Uh, this I, this concept of reading uh, to their children, maybe reading themselves. You know, so, some parent, fathers may not even like to read that much, as we say. Right. Um, yeah. And they may struggle with that a little bit, um, yeah. but it's it's not that hard to read a children's book. I mean, it's a little easier than some other kinds of texts. Uh, but the point is, the process itself is That's something right. that is to be engaged in, yeah. um, and so that's what we want to encourage people to do um, to to grow and develop. And again, the most important thing is to connect. How how better way for a father to connect with his own children than yep. to read with them and to speak out loud? And you can reverse it. You can have a child as they get a little older, they can read the the, the book right back to them, back to the father. That's right. It's a two way street. It goes back and forth. Um, That's right. And uh, to see how that develops, you know, it it saddens me to see how many uh, bookstores close are closed, and how. Um, Books seem to be going out of style. But one thing I've learned in the statistics is children's books are really not, are still holding their own, which I find very interesting. Adult books, adults are reading less of adult books. There's less adult books out there, maybe novels or whatever it is. But children's books seem to uh, still have a place in our society. Well, yeah, and, you know, if you think about it, you know, it is the primary way that children learn. You know, whether you go to any kind of school, like reading is all, you know, reading, writing, arithmetic, right? Like these are the, the cores, you know, of, of processing information. Um, and, and I really do think that, you know, there's something to be said um, about parents, particularly fathers, getting involved in educational spaces with their kids. 
Um, you know, this is a this is a long time tradition, both in the Christian text, you know, that dads were teaching their kids, you know, like dads were teaching the kids the scriptures. If you go into, you know, understanding the Jewish world and the Jewish mindset, you know, it was it was driven by the father knowing the scriptures. Sure. You know, um, and I, I think it's beautiful because, you know, as as things are read aloud. That's how memorization happens, right. you know, and then that's the guidepost of life. That's mm -hmm. the, the pathways to go. You know, I, I think about Solomon a lot, you know, highlights in the Proverbs, like, mm -hmm. you know, my son, you know, he constantly, my son, listen to these things, listen to these commands, you know, and so, you know, listen to these ways of living and, and man, if we can, if we could be people, you know, if we can be fathers, you know, who could really give you know, beautiful axioms and beautiful ways to think about the world and the universe into our children and, you know, in the earliest stages of their memory, um, those things, they're retained you for know, a long time. I am reminded that we're probably at the, um, this is the age that we're living in, is the age of deception. And there's mm. probably more deception going on in the world today than ever before. Well, given all the electronics and the technology and so forth, it's always been the enemy's attempt to deceive. Obviously, Scripture tells us that. But he's got the tools, the technology and the tools to affect people's perception to get yeah. them deceived. And the only way you're really going to overcome the deception and the propaganda that is being promulgated by the media uh, or at all the different sources of deception the satan's been using uh is to be able to discern it and in order to discern it you have to understand what the truth is and uh what is the thought behind the thought what what is this thought presenting itself to me this thought that's presenting itself to me does it have fear in it is it causing me to be afraid of something and if it is is that coming from my father is my father trying to get me to be afraid of course not but you know can you pick it up can you discern it? And you really learn the powers of discerning the truth by um, listening to what is true and what has love built into it, which is what the scripture offers us. And the, uh, the conduit to that truth uh, can be in God's uh, design is the father to read that to his kids. Well, and, and I think what you just said is so great because it, it reminds me, you know, as we're talking about fathers reading to their children and, and them hearing these words in their life and it mattering, you know, it reminds me of, you know, Matthew chapter four, you know, Jesus in this moment where he is being, you know, invited to be deceived by the enemy of our souls, mm -hmm. you know, while he's out in the wilderness and his response is, you know, it is written, you know, that man should not live by, by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I wonder how many times he heard that, you know, growing up so that in that moment of difficulty, in that out. moment, he was, he was queuing back into what are the right. things that come from the mouth of God. Right. Um, and I, I think, you know, I love that. I actually love that he highlights that it's written, you know, in the scriptures, it's written, it's, you know, it's from Deuteronomy. <clears throat> 
that he is highlighting, you know, that I understand that there's something said and something written that helps lead me and guide me. And I think that that is what books are about for our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it is, it is the way, I mean, there's a, there's a book, there's a book that's been around for a long time um, that, uh, you know, it's called all the places that will go. Um, it's a Dr. Seuss book. Um, and it's amazing, but a lot of people don't realize it, but that book so forms so many people about the adventure to come and the life they live that they now have that book locked into graduation stuff, mm-hmm. packages for people when they graduate from college, giving them this book amazing. because they realize that it opens up the, it opens up this child's mind. It opens up this young person's mind to realize, oh, where can I end up? Uh, and know, I think that if we read our show to our children, we will open up their future reality for them. I read a story about one of the school boards that uh, came out with an edict to eliminate Dr. Seuss books from the schools because of some racial implication they found in one of them or something. And I thought to myself, man, I mean, you know, how is that possible that you can uh, you know, because I, I grew up, Dr. Seuss's books were, you know, sort of like the gold plate of children's books, <laughs> and okay. they always had such great thoughts in them, and uh, to uh, literally take them out of the libraries and not allow children to read them, to me, was like horrible. It was almost like Nazism or something, when they were burning books or something in uh, in the in the 1930s. Well, and, you know, there's always, there's always been book censures and there always will be, you know, and I think more than anything, it's, it's an invitation for as we build the voice of the fathers in our kids by reading to them, that whatever they read, they will still be thinking about what we read as well. Mm-hmm. And how do those things line up? And how do those things match or not match? Mm-hmm. You know, and I remember as a kid, you know, I read a lot of the classics very early because I was such an avid reader. And I would remember moments while I was reading the books where I thought, that's not it. That's not the way, you know, I've read the scriptures. I've heard the scriptures spoken and read and preached and, and that's not the way. Um, and so knowing that, that we have that ability to discern in the books that we're reading because we remember and we have the father's voice in our hearts and our minds mm-hmm. you know i think it, i think we're modeling one of the greatest realities of god the father mm-hmm. that his voice is constantly there to speak and to guide to be connected to um, so that as life comes at us and we aren't ready for life we can still hear you know the resonations you know of his voice that he spoke to us years ago and we model that for our kids by reading to them well, uh, Jason, we need to bring this to a close, but I want to share with our audience that because of this conversation that we've had, I've been thinking and praying about it. And I come to realize that uh, I want to take the Father's Heart Media to another level. And in addition to offering uh, our, the media that we create with podcasts and the other blogs and articles and the Papa Tom's Tales books, I want to start reviewing books. And you can help me with this, actually. Reviewing books that... Uh, we would believe it would be really good for our children or grandchildren. So we could become like a book reviewer, children book reviewer, and offer on the website access to books that we think are really good. I remember at breakfast I told you that, uh, as you were talking about something that you, uh, and they don't have to be Christian books, we're not, uh, you know, limiting it to that. 
um, that you wanted books for your children's imagination. And I told you in my review of the hundreds of books that I've seen in children's bookstores, there's only one author that popped out to me. He's a Japanese-American named Kobe Yamada, and he wrote these most imaginative books. Um, they're not religious at all, but they're very imaginative. What do you do with an idea? What do you do with a problem? And he traces through a problem which is in a very imaginative way that really opens up children's minds. And it's, I'm going to put that, I'm actually contacting their, uh, their publisher, and I want to put on the Father's Heart Media uh, books that I've read, and I'm welcoming open the door for you, that you've read, that you said, hey, this, this is a good book for a child to, uh, to, to consider. Because I know a lot of father's time is so, um, how should I say, curtailed or precluded from going to, uh, to bookstores or even spending the time reviewing dozens and hundreds of books. They want, the ones who want to read want good content. And we can actually, give, we can actually help them find that good content. So we really want to encourage you to um, uh, look at the uh, the Father's Heart Media uh, to our audience. As we said, Papa Tom's Tales is the uh, e-commerce site uh, for just the books. But actually, the Father's Heart Media contains articles, blogs, uh, podcasts, uh, and uh, all of the Papa Tom's Tales books. And we're going to put some other books on there. So we want to thank you very much for um, listening today. And we really want to encourage the women who are listening to this podcast to encourage their, uh, the fathers and the husbands to take up reading as an action step. And if they're not going to be out there in the stores buying the children's books, start them off, buy them one. Buy them one that they can start off reading for the child and then encourage them to buy more. Uh, but certainly encourage them to read uh, they could prime the pump maybe by buying them the first one, but uh, the 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 activity, the action step of reading to the children is what we really want to promote. So we want to thank you all for um, listening to us uh, today, and we appreciate.